if craft beer didn't take off like it like it did, you would never even you wouldn't even know what a milkshake IPA was. Hello, hello! Welcome to episode two of Hop Talk, the Hop Delay podcast. My name's Gary. I'm your host. We got Mac here, who's behind the camera producing. Mac, say what up from over there. What's going on? <laughs> We're sitting here at one of probably the most unique beer tap rooms in Los Angeles County. Very, very cool space. Very, very cool location. This is the brewery at Abigail, and we are joined today by Josh McCombs, head brewer, brand new head brewer here. Yes, Yeah, exactly. thanks for joining. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So we'll start out with a little cheers. Cheers. And uh, I like to start things off with what are we drinking? So you go first. Okay, I'm drinking our Yahtzee Hazy IPA. Uh, it's dry. It's hopped and dry hopped with uh, Citra, uh, Cashmere, and uh, El Dorado. Uh, it has a really nice uh, aroma of, uh, I'd say, you know, passion fruit, passion fruit, uh, apricots. Has a nice citrus and melon flavor, and a really nice, uh, you know, really nice mouthfeel. And it's, uh, you know, hazy. It's what you want in an IPA. What you're yeah. looking for if you're looking for a hazy. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a nice uh, fruit salad there. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, right now I am drinking, you're going to have to remind me the name. No, no. That's our faux pay IPA. Faux pay. Yeah, our names are a little goofy, but they're, uh, they definitely cause, uh, <laughs> they definitely get people's attention. The beer is not goofy, though. No, uh, no. This is a nice, clear, uh, really solid true to style west coast ipa the bitterness is on point here um we're coming we're recording this at i think like almost 11 a.m um <laughs> this is a good one to start out with my yeah. palate is ready this yeah. is the warm-up that you need uh when you're going into a long day drinking session absolutely sunday fun day <laughs> that's right uh yeah very good job on this beer i really like this a lot thank you sir uh, you know some of these west coast ipas that are coming out now um are doing a lot more balance on the bitterness, are doing a lot more kind of tropical fruitiness uh, on one side of things. And I think this gives the juxtaposition of, hey, this is West Coast, this is bitter, this is aggressive. Uh, it's a little bit in your face, but it's still really drinkable. It's re still really approachable for someone that can handle this type of thing. Yeah, that's exactly what I was kind of going for. I wanted to do, um, I wanted to make a, a very classic West Coast IPA. I enjoy drinking them. I think they're still, I think there's still a lot of room for that, uh, for that. And like you had said before, um, you know, a lot of the IPAs that come out now, they're very restrained as far as their bitterness. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just where the trend is going. But mm -hmm. I really like that classic, that classic hop bite up front. And uh, this is sort of an updated version of that, even in its own right with the hops that I use. There's not the classic American hops. You know, I used uh, New Zealand hops and uh, some newer, newer American versions, not your classic sea hops. So you get a little bit of that tropical fruit, but there's really that pine and resin uh, there that you're that you would expect, I think, in a classic idea. Yeah, as the kids say, it's dank. It's dank. Yes, I'm <laughs> staying away from that dank word. But, uh, yeah, it is. It, it is dank. It very describes much so. it. It describes it well. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's really good. Um, so yeah, I mean, here at Abigail, I mean, it's a beautiful day today. Absolutely. Right here on the beach in Hermosa Beach. Um, super cool. So. I know you just started here a couple months back. Yes. And uh, I wanted to get a sense for, like, how did you get here? Like, and we can start all the way at the way back, and I'm, I'll, <laughs> I'll start you off here. Getting into craft beer in okay. general. Like, oh, man. Where were you? What was, how'd you get into this whole That thing? is way back. Yeah. So, 
Um, my first career was actually as a scientist. That's kind of that was my that was my original passion, I guess you can say. Mm. Um, you know, uh, bachelor's degree in biology, uh, master's degree in environmental science. I ran a laboratory for a decade before even stepping into into a, a, a formal brew house as a professional. But um, that whole time that I was, um, you know, working professionally out of college, I I discovered home brewing pretty early on, and it it I think it's a pretty common story for people that get bit by the bug. You know, you um, you know it, it's a hobby that turns into a passion if you like it. And for me, it was the perfect crossroads of art and science, and it really scratched that itch. You know, I like to cook. I like to I like to create and this was just a really cool way to utilize in the beginning a really cool way to utilize both those skill sets mm -hmm. and as it got uh, as I got deeper into home brewing you know I talked over with my wife and I'm like I'm thinking more about brewing every day than I am about my damn job <laughs> and uh, not that I didn't like my job I love science I still do I always will but um, you know my wife said you know it's now or never you know do you want to make a career change and and uh, you know she's always supported me, and she's on this crazy adventure with me. And uh, so I quit my job and went to uh, went to Siebel, and was able to study in Chicago for a few months, and then or a few weeks rather, and then finished my education in uh, Munich, Germany, which was a really cool opportunity. The Master Brewer program at Siebel, I would, if anybody's serious about, it, I would definitely recommend uh, getting into that. From there, I got a job at Devil's Backbone in Virginia. I should say I'm from the East Coast originally. Yeah. Uh, born in Pennsylvania, lived outside of D.C. for a good decade while I was, you know, uh, in my professional career as a scientist. Huh. Um, from there, I got a job in, in Central Virginia, Devil's Backbone, fantastic brewery, uh, lager brewery. So I cut my teeth there on on brewing lagers, but they they just do everything right. Um, they were purchased by Anheuser Busch. Uh, you know, good or bad, take that as what you want. Uh, but uh, there's a reason they were acquired because they do they do a lot of good things. So I learned a lot of really solid professional brewing. Uh, I got a lot of, got a lot of really solid professional brewing experience from from that. How from, long were you at Devil's Backbone before the purchase? Um, I was there for a few months. Yeah. I kind of knew that was going to probably happen. Oh, uh, it was like and kind of in the. It works was in a transition. Yeah. yeah, I knew what I was getting myself into. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, it was it was a good start for me. It definitely yeah. was, and uh, you know, the ownership was great. They once they had the bot the buyout, they gave everybody huge bonuses. You know, obviously because you get a ton of money when yeah. that happens. But yeah. you know, things things actually did from a from a worker standpoint get a lot safer. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, obviously we had a lot uh, better access to brewing ingredients. Uh, we had their distribution footprint. So, you know, and again, say what you want about, uh, you know, AB InBev in general, and, and I definitely have opinions. Yeah. But, um, you know, there are, there are certainly some benefits to that. Yeah. Uh, from there, I really kind of wanted to start out and really make my mark and kind of do my own thing. You know, real, not... You know, and um, well, how long were you at uh, Devil's Backbone for? Just slightly over a year. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I really, it, it. I wasn't in there for very long, but I learned. I learned a lot. I learned very quickly, and uh, but I real. I just wanted to. I wanted to create. That's what I got into this business to do is to create and craft my own beers uh -huh. and really, uh, really to show what I can do. And uh, so I had an opportunity to come out here and uh, you know, brewed at a few places out here, and this is where we're sitting. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah. So going into the Devil's Backbone, like mm -hmm. lager, like heavy brewery, yeah. um, what is that background? And I mean, lagers obviously run the gamut of like styles and different things like that. 
but um, obviously known for being a little bit more of a finicky style of beer. Mm-hmm. Takes more time, a little bit. Um, I'd say a little bit for some styles, a little bit more delicate than some of the ales that, ale yeah. styles that are out there. So, how does that kind of like um, give yourself a foundation that might be different from someone coming like? straight from home brewing like different styles mm-hmm. or straight from another type of commercial setting well uh you know coming from um siebel and in, in you know being in germany for so long i mean lagers are king over there yeah you know the beer culture is much different over there so even in education uh we were learning about you know mostly about like hellas lagers yeah. and things like that and pilsners you know so Love it. so uh coming into uh devil's backbone it was actually kind of a, a natural progression from you know, going to beer school into a professional setting. Yeah. Um, and from there, you know, their flagship is a Vienna lager, which is a really interesting style. You start to see that kind of come come about. Uh, you start, you're starting to see more and more breweries kind of, uh, you know, come out with that style mm-hmm. of lager, which is interesting because it is more of a hop forward style. And I think it does actually appeal to the, uh, more to the craft beer crowd in the American, to their, uh, in America to their palate. Yeah. Uh, but it was cool. You know, there, there are a lot of technical, uh, it can be a little bit of an intimidating realm, you know, using lager yeast versus ale yeast, but honestly, what I learned at, what I learned at Devil's Backbone is that, you know, it's it's just like brewing with, it's just like anything in brewing, it's understanding the tools, understanding the tools that you have and what you have to do to make, to make that beer, mm-hmm. you know, and, and after a while it just becomes, uh, it just becomes second nature, yeah. you know, so the intimidation factor went away almost immediately because that's primarily what we did, you know, it really comes down to understanding your temperatures and your times and just understanding the, the technical uh, hurdles that you need to overcome mm-hmm. you know yeah so. absolutely mm-hmm. it kind of seems like a nice opportunity coming from studying in germany and those styles mm-hmm. of beer where someone might go into a different operation that they might not be able to play around with loggers as much and so absolutely. it's kind of learning some you know some more of that whereas um you kind of got to continue to apply some of the same principles that you were working on oh yeah in germany absolutely right? and there was a you know we worked on a um, you know it was a german it was a german brew house and it was a crazy brew house it was a five vessel 120 barrel fully automated system wow. so right out of the box i'm i'm thrown into yeah. that you know and <laughs> it's crazy it's crazy now wow. thinking back on that Seriously. you know but you know it, it's good that you know what you, that you don't know what you don't know yeah. sometimes you know it's like i didn't know any better so it's like great this isn't as intimidating as uh as maybe it would be if i came from somewhere smaller and had to yeah scale up yeah. exactly but you know everything was very everything was very german oriented there anyway yeah you know with some with some slight american twist of course yeah but uh no it was a very natural transition that's cool yeah. and it, it's nice to uh to hear a perspective on the um positive changes that happen at an AB InBev buyout. Absolutely. Because we hear a lot about the negative stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we know, there's always two sides to every coin. And so For sure. from a workplace employee perspective, like it's good to hear that, you know, it's not doom and gloom when those things come down the pipe. No. That there's yeah. there's benefits that come out of it. I think what's important to understand is that there are people that work there. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not all, you know, soulless vampires that are just trying to suck all the market share away. Now, I mean, you know, and, and again, and again, take that for, you know, take that with a grain of salt for sure. But, right. you know, the access to education, I mean, they take the same ingredients are not the same ingredients apps they make the same beer with different ingredients different agricultural inputs mm-hmm. all over the world they have plants all over the world i mean they are an excellent excellent resource to learn from 
you know, whether you agree with some of their sales tactics, that's a different conversation entirely. And I right. completely understand. And I was slightly conflicted with that as well. Yeah. But, um, you know, as far as uh, technical prowess and technical expertise, you can't beat, you can't beat that. Right. That, hey, you just can't beat those, those big, you know, the big guys. I mean, they're big for a reason. They do things right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, and there's also from a consumer standpoint and just the larger perspective standpoint, there's a difference there is a difference we have to say between what AB InBev was doing several years ago when that absolutely happened versus now they're not really acquiring breweries, but like no. they've kind of like merged the high end, like that that mm-hmm. division of the company with the Anheuser Busch side of things, and so yeah. like things are very different now from an <laughs> yeah. internal AB InBev marketing mm-hmm. sales perspective than they were when they were start still buying these breweries and telling and kind of selling them on hey we have a whole division dedicated to you guys like that's that's kind of changed over the last year and mm-hmm. so i think it's important to note the difference that like what's happening now isn't exactly what was happening back then for know? sure and i think that really speaks to um they didn't really know what to do with craft because right. you know the overall i i believe if i'm not mistaken the overall uh you know, beer market is slightly contracting, but craft is growing. Yeah. In fact, that's the only section of beer that is that is growing. Correct. And so, you know, they're they're seeing that with their bottom line, and they didn't. And I think their motto at that point was, "If we can't beat them, acquire them." Yeah. And um, you know, but they didn't. Again, we were just this weird kind of like anomaly. These like kind of stepchildren of uh-huh. AB and Bev, and they didn't know what to do with us. Yeah. And uh, you know, as they come into their own, and exactly what you said, they stopped buying craft beer, uh, craft breweries, pretty. Pretty much very quickly, actually. Yeah. Because I don't think they, again, they were still trying to figure out what they wanted to do. Yeah. You know. So, so yeah, I think at least for the time being, it looks like that activity has slowed down a little absolutely bit. Absolutely, it did. Yeah. Um, and now they're figuring out internally how do we deal with this market mm-hmm. it, with these assets that we now have. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, it kind of looks like a pricing and distribution play now. Um, for which, sure. Which, yeah, I mean, that I think that is, that is the thing that gets to me the most and I think to most craft breweries it's, I it's hate like it. this I, is it's a, it's a war now and it and it's an unfair war and it's, it's, un, it's unfortunate yeah. yeah no and I completely agree with you and that that speaks to my uh, saying that I was conflicted before yeah know? I mean like you said there's good points and bad points to everything but uh, yeah I can't I'm I'm much happier being outside of that world and yeah. not having to defend it all the time because I did have to defend it quite a bit. Right. And, uh, you know, I got, I got tired of it. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. So, so I guess, uh, kind of brings me to the decision mm-hmm. to leave and the decision to move basically across the country. Yes. Yes. Uh, to kind of start something new. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, what was the, that process like? Were you like actively <sighs> seeking out an opportunity for a long time and why the West coast? So, um, my wife and I had always talked about moving to California. You yeah, know, we've been out here several times on business and on vacation. And uh, she, ever since I met her, she was talking about kind of a, a West Coast lifestyle, and it's just something that really spoke to us. So, you know, we we did focus our search on on a West Coast opportunity, and yeah. when that came up, we jumped on it. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and you know, in 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 our in our particular, you know, life philosophy or whatever you want to call it, you know, you, you only get one chance. So, you know, let's take chances. You know, this is, I feel like this is the industry. It almost reminds me kind of of the gold rush. If you think about it in the 1800s, you know, craft beer is, it's a, it's a crazy industry. It's a roller coaster. It yeah. has ups and downs, but it's a fun ride and you have to be willing to take chances if you want to, 
if you really want to see your dream um, come true. Yeah. And whether that's been realized or not, you know, we'll see. But <laughs> I, I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah. I love it right now. So can we talk a little bit about what that move looked like for you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, like, uh, <laughs> how, how did you find that the the opportunity that you did? Like, what was it? Where where'd you where'd you move to? Um, what was that like? So um, a uh, friend that I got to brewing school with, he had gotten a job in uh, Ventura County for a small uh, German-style brewery. Uh, you can probably figure that out in Moore Park. Yeah. <laughs> Ennegrin. Um, Ennegrin, yes, yes, exactly. Sorry. We love Ennegrin. We love <laughs> no, Ennegrin's great. Yeah, I make... love Ennegrin. And, um, you know, again, that was a very natural uh, fit for, uh, for my friend that I went to school with. Yeah. And uh, he had put me in contact with... Uh, Another local brewery that was uh, that was looking for uh, that was looking for a brewer to make a to make a change to kind of make their mark and I I had spoken to him and our our kind of visions for what we wanted to do aligned and um, I wound out in West I wound up in Westlake Village kind of brewing brewing there for Westlake Brewing Company nice. for a while um, the um, so you know we. What should I say? How do we do this? We packed up the truck. It sounds like the Beverly Hillbillies. I'm dating myself. I'm not that, I'm not that old, but uh, you know. But no, we 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 packed up our car, um, sold one of our cars, packed up our car and our dog, and made it a kind of a cross country adventure. That's cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then hit some breweries uh, along the way. I'm oh, sure. of course, of course. And you know, if we saw a sign for something, we're like, we're gonna stop. You know, one of the most interesting ones was in um, Indiana. We actually went to a small monastic brewery huh. there. Um, it was now. Was it like you know? Was it this amazing like Trappist style brewery? No, not at all. Absolutely, <laughs> there were picnic tables there, and right. beer was served out of plastic cups. But it was so much fun. Yeah. It was just part of the whole adventure and stuff. And I had friends that are scattered throughout the country, so it was a great experience to kind of just um, you know connect uh, connect over some beers, and really you know we were we really feel like and still to this day feel like we're we're kind of living a dream. You know what I mean? Living a living an adventure, and that was just the start of it. Yeah, you know, oh, that's um, amazing. Yeah, it's great. So it's been it's been uh, it's been a ride ever since. Yeah. <laughs> so getting to the West Coast, obviously, yes. uh, we're in Los Angeles and mm -hmm. L.A. County. Um, you were kind of located up in like that northern tip, just before Ventura County, exactly. Um, which is blowing up, by the yeah, way. Yeah, like, it is. Yeah. Westlake, Agoura Hills, like mm -hmm. a lot of cool stuff. Thousand going on Oaks up there. is finally getting more beer friendly. That's yes. right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's really really cool. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I, I guess I wanted to get like your impressions. Uh, if you can kind of think back to when you first got to LA, what's the LA beer scene like compared to where you've been previously? <laughs> well, the first thing I thought to myself uh, coming in, we uh, had uh, we had gotten an air, we reserved an Airbnb, and I'm like, I feel like I'm on a movie set. And no, no joke, we were in the canyon. It was just crazy. It was unlike anything coming from like an East Coast guy, like being raised in Pennsylvania, living in Virginia. It was unlike anything we had ever seen before. Um, quickly, I. I'm realize, I came to realize that the LA scene is kind of unique. It's not as uh, a mature beer scene as say, you know, uh, SoCal in San Diego mm -hmm. or uh, San Francisco. And it's interesting. It's really cool to kind of see that because there's a lot of room for, uh, you know, kind of burgeoning craft breweries and stuff like that. And, you know, the there's a lot of um, room for education in, in craft beer consumers. And uh, I think it's really neat because you can experiment a little bit. You know, people aren't so set in their ways and say, you know, thinking this beer has to be this way or I'm not going to drink it, I'm not going to touch it. So I think people are a little more open to things here. And in, um, and it it's exciting, you know. Uh, so I'd say it's kind of a, you know, definitely a nascent uh beer culture but mm. i think it's 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 developing into its own unique thing 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, specifically the area that you were in, mm-hmm. you know, because when we talk about the L.A. beer community, um, we really have to dissect it into quadrants and oh, regions yeah. and absolutely. stuff like that. Um, because we can't really compare one side of the county to the other. Mm-mm. So, um, so yeah, we really kind of kind of look at it that way. And when you're looking up that way, you have the San Fernando Valley, which mm-hmm. has a growing uh, beer community as well. For sure. And then you look at Westlake, Agura, and all that, and that has its own unique scene as well. Um, so I, I think it's I think it's interesting where you were able to place yourself probably not knowing it yeah you know probably I mean, not like i came in in ignorance not aware, you know what i mean yeah. but it, again like, it speaks to that brewery okay we're gonna jump into this brewery? feet first yeah <laughs> where is everybody going to where's the hot breweries exactly. okay it's hours away let's okay so how do we figure out our local base mm-hmm. how do we really kind of tell that story around our immediate community mm-hmm. um and obviously coming into an existing operation being able to say how do I make my own mark on that, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. that was that was certainly a challenge. Um, yeah, can you talk a little bit about like how do you, how does you how do you come into an existing operation and kind of like make your own mark? What was your attempt? Well, uh, the idea is, you know, I I had a very simple I had a very simple goal and just, you know, I this is going to sound really, really goofy, but I just do what I do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, there are things that I, I always try to approach things as a craft, a fan of craft beer myself. What do I want to see? You know, I had a, I was running, I was brewing on a very small system. We had a lot of taps. Um, so I use that to my advantage. I made a lot of, um, I made a lot of very diverse beer in small batches and took that to my advantage. So kind of took a home brewing perspective, um, but melding that with my the, the technical expertise that I gained through school and uh, you know a devil's backbone, and uh, you know I think it it was it was received it was received very well. You know people, I I'm always the the guy like I I like to come into a craft brewery and think you know kind of like what's next what's next you know so I like to have a little bit of something for everybody your standard styles your very approachable styles but then you know maybe kind of go out on the limb a little bit and uh, challenge some people I guess you could say yeah not not necessarily challenge but you know maybe something you weren't expecting and um, you might you might surprise yourself and find something that you liked yeah yeah. and I and I think that operation being that you could do that mm-hmm. and not have to dedicate commit to a 15 barrel batch. That yes, you're you're on what three barrel system? Yeah, it was a three and a half barrel yeah, system. So it was tiny. Yeah, so you're able yeah. to like take these chances and mm-hmm. experiment and uh, play with maybe some ingredients that you haven't played with before. Absolutely, and cater to a community that you just moved into and you're still figuring out their palate and kind of like um, where the volume comes from. Yeah, and uh, and play around with that. So I think. Absolutely. On the positive side, like that sounds like an interesting place to kind of put yeah. yourself into, almost like by luck. Yeah. No. I mean, you you always uh, one of the things that I always approach is like, okay, what what are we looking at for equipment? What can I use to my advantage? And a smaller system, it's for me, it's a no brainer. Yeah, we can diversify what we do because it's it's not that huge of a commitment with respect to um, ingredients. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's a small batch. If it doesn't go over that well. It will eventually sell, yeah. and uh, you know, and and you move on. You don't you don't do that again. Yeah. But uh, it's a really cool opportunity, and I didn't know if I'd have that opportunity forever to do something like that. Yeah. So let's let's seize on that and not be as maybe so conservative. Yeah, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And so you know, there there came a time where um, you started, you know, looking at what's the next step for you. Um, absolutely. And so 
we're obviously here in probably one of the most picturesque and beautiful There's places never a bad in day Los here, Angeles. Man. Never a bad day. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> uh, I almost think this may be a dream for any brewer who's kind of stuck in the middle of the city, yes. in the heat of the summer, <laughs> in the cold of the winter. Like, you've yeah. kind of got the mildness of the seasons and just the view of a lifetime. I know yeah. anyone listening can't really see this, but we're staring at, at the ocean across palm trees here in Hermosa mm-hmm. Beach. It's amazing. So how'd you... How'd this come up so um you know in my my tenure at westlake they were focusing more on the kind of craft cocktail side Mm -hmm. they really wanted to focus more on the craft cocktail side the um the bands the music venue was a very large music venue Mm -hmm. and um less on the beer so we kind of had a philosophical difference you can say of where it just wasn't the right fit for me anymore right um it it had it had just changed over the years and over the year that's fine you know that's that's completely fine so Mm -hmm. um so I started looking elsewhere and this opportunity came up. Uh, we, you know, we obviously, my wife and I came out here, looked at it and absolutely fell in love with the area. Yeah. The restaurant, it's a great place. You know, it's a great brew pub, Abigail, fantastic food, um, fantastic beer. I'm biased, but, uh, <laughs> no, even at the time it was good. It's a craft beer bar, craft cocktails, but, uh, you know, definitely more beer focused. And like you said, you know, the location can't be beat. Right. I have a bad day. All I need to do is look out and see the ocean and uh, remind myself of actually where I am. Yeah. You know, so... Uh, I mean, coming so it, from Pennsylvania, coming from Virginia, yeah. like you've landed... Yeah. At, and and I, we were talking about this earlier. Mm-hmm. I think this brewery is the closest to the water <laughs> of any brewery here in Los Angeles County. Honest, I think I any think. closer you'd be treading water. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like, this, <laughs> this is pretty unique. I, I love that a lot. Yeah, and it's great. And that's one of our, um, you know, that that's one of the beauties of this place is that you can come here get some really good food try some really good craft beer and then you can hit the beach yeah i mean it's it, it's got everything it is it, it is like the true when people think of the the stereotype of la you know what i mean in in the best possible way this this is kind of it yeah you know i mean this is this is nice and uh yeah i think i want to stay here for this a while this is a nice backdrop <laughs> for you like a from yeah. a brewer brewing creativity standpoint absolutely like, what can i put out that's going to complement this mm-hmm. view, this weather, yeah. like this entire environment. Yeah. Um, it's a lifestyle. It's pretty nice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like you're not in a warehouse in an industrial district. No. Like, <laughs> trying to figure out how do I put out a beer that like someone has to enjoy because they have nothing else around them to enjoy. Because there's a chain link fence. And, right. Like, yeah. So like this is like. next door. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is almost like um, it's an artistic endeavor of like complimenting it the is. entire surrounding. It's, it's it is. that's really cool. And um, it's almost like street art. In a yeah, way, it know? really is. Yeah. yeah, and it speaks to LA being such a diverse area. LA County is so diverse with the people, with the locations, and you know every place has its own little culture. And I'm really starting to to learn the South Bay beer culture, and it's something that I had frankly overlooked since I've lived here. And and it's it's awesome. You know, just to put it plainly, yeah, it's great. And um, I'm really excited to kind of really get my hands into it and learn more about it. Yeah, because you know, I'm so new here. Yeah, you know, but it's, yeah, it's definitely going to take but, time. But yeah, I mean, this is like it's an enjoyable process because of how nice it is here. Yeah, I'm not complaining. So, so this place, um, obviously with how nice it is and location and the views and everything, but there's some history here, right? Can For you, sure. Do, can you tell us what you know about the history of, of Abigail? So sure. Um, Abigail's kind of a, when you come in, you'll see kind of an eclectic, uh, you know, kind of almost a shabby chic uh, sort of decor, uh, you know, kind of black wall spray painted, uh, but really you know, really nice fixtures and furniture at the same time, really high-end food, you know, upper, you know, kind of um, upscale sort of sort of a dining experience. Mm-hmm. Um, historically, this is where Black Flag, the punk band from the 80s, used to practice. Ah. Uh, 
Yeah, uh, it was a church at one time. It's gone through several iterations. There's a lot of life in this particular building, yeah. and I love that. And you know, they the uh, the restaurant group that owns this that owns this brew pub, they have leaned into that completely. I think you would agree. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a yeah, it's an amazing feeling when you walk in, yeah, because um, you do get that like underground punk type of vibe with like uh-huh. the copper brew system there, oh, like absolutely. the hammered copper thing. Beautiful. Yeah, and then spray paint on the walls um, but then you have like this really nice decor and then yeah. you look up and you see the ocean there yeah. and you walk up the stairs uh, where we're actually recording this and you have this like really nice kind of like upscale nightlife venue with like a really amazing bar mm-hmm. um, just really nice furniture it's, it's just this is such a really really amazing space um, it's the true definition of, of like eclectic yeah you know what I mean oh, it really I is. love it though it's great it, I think it just adds to that fact that like this is one of the most unique brewery tap rooms that you can get like handcrafted LA craft beer um, you know a couple blocks from the beach like in this really cool environment and I haven't tried the food personally but I mean I, you've been you've been raving about it that it's yeah. really really good right it's fantastic you know they um, they're not scared to take chances on their food either but um, nothing so scary yeah <laughs> you know what I mean there's a lot of fusion a lot of Asian fusion like yeah. a lot of Asian influence that goes into the food and um, I feel like everything they do is just absolutely hit out of the park. It's yeah. amazing. That's awesome. And uh, and here you you were saying that um, there's some guest taps also. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So what's what's the how do you approach a brewery? Is this your first time with a brewery with guest taps? It, it is absolutely. Okay. But, so um, what's the approach? Like, what do you think? You know, I kind of use that as as an advantage. You know, if we do have like established breweries if we have established breweries uh, if we if we are selling their beer that's one more tool that I can that I can use frankly to get people in to try to try my beer I don't look at that as a threat I look at that as a benefit yeah and uh, and a lot of times the challenge is to compliment what what are what are we buying what are we gonna bring in what do we want to bring in and what do I want to what do what can I brew to complement that yeah if we have uh, five IPAs for some reason if that would ever happen and, and it does um, <laughs> you know what do I want to brew to maybe uh, attract the non IPA drinker and yeah. uh, you know I try to always have a balanced half line wherever I go right but uh, you know again it's another tool in the toolbox it's looking at where you are assessing assessing the the state of where things are and using everything to your advantage yeah you know um, I think you have to do a lot of uh, what they say like lateral thinking in this a lot of thinking on your feet in this industry um, whether it's a brew day or you know overall business strategy things like that and uh, it's a challenge that I really enjoy yeah Yeah. that makes a lot of sense and when we talk about the view and the location as being like a secondary dimension that you Mm -hmm. have as a brewer to kind of like complement oh yeah um, the restaurant side of things as well like the Mm -hmm. food component too I think adds that third dimension as well for sure um is there anything that you're thinking about whether you know i know you're just can't come in here a couple months but mm-hmm. like whether you're thinking about it now or whether it's something you're excited to start addressing in the near future like how do you meld the food component into what you're doing in the beer program absolutely um so one of the things we want to really kind of get into is um you know playing with the the food and the beer pairings of course you know um whether that be uh, you know a full-fledged you know brewer's dinner multi-course where it gets paired with uh you know each course gets paired with a beer what have you everybody's been to every craft beer person has probably been to a beer dinner or at least heard of them um to simple pairings you know what yeah. i mean like try this appetizer with this beer try the dessert with uh with this imperial stout that we brewed you know that kind of stuff this uh the seafood dish goes well with a pilsner you know let's let's try that so you know it's Again, it, it, it's just it it lev- 
it gives that extra dimension, as you uh -huh. said, to play with it, to have fun. You know, at the end of the day, this is supposed to be fun, yeah. and it is fun. It's yeah. it's an adventure. It's a ride, and um, I just enjoy doing that. Yeah, yeah. No, and I think uh, from our perspective, where we've been to beer dinners, it's mm -hmm. kind of a thing that we yeah. understand very well. Of course. Um, from the kind of mainstream craft beer consumer, uh, maybe a little bit early in their journey. Yes. Um, they might have heard of it at some of like maybe the bigger beer chain restaurants, mm -hmm. um, you know, the yard houses, the BJ's, what have yeah, you. Absolutely. Um, but maybe haven't seen it executed on the local level mm -hmm. at a at a place like this. And I think there is still an excitement around it. Absolutely. Where like people like us kind of like, yeah, you know, it's the beer dinner thing. Like, mm -hmm. you know, we could do that. And that's like an easy thing to do. But like when it comes down to it, it's um, an experience that people remember. Yeah. And then it's an experience that people will come back for. And it's individual too. Right. You know, right. you're not at a beer festival where there's like the sea of people. Yeah. It is personal. What do you taste? You know, what are your flavors? Like I'm, I'm telling you what I think you should, you should try, but I mean, everybody's different. Yeah. So, and that's the cool, that's the cool thing. And I think that's one of the advantages of frankly, having a brew pub too, yeah. of in, in the brew pub setting is that you can experiment with those flavors and see how they pair with different, with different types of food, especially with the experimental food that we do here with the fusion. Um, you might get some flavors that you've never actually experienced before in combination with the beer that I'm brewing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're always on the lookout. I'm always on the lookout to try new and interesting things, of course. And, uh, again, the food is just one more avenue to give me inspiration. Yeah. 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 Multidimensional space Absolutely. here. I think that brings us to almost the reason why that, why we're here is talking about a really cool event that you guys have coming up. Yes. Brutopia. Brutopia. Yeah. So, um, tell me about it. When is it? What is it? What's going on? Okay. Brutopia is a miniature beer festival. That's the best way I can describe it. Um, we're going to have 10 to 12 breweries. We're still, um, hammering out a couple of, uh, couple of extra breweries here um, so it'll be obviously Abigail beer and several other um, brewers as well it's on the uh, 27th of April at the end of this month it's a Saturday from 12 to 4 uh, $30 in advance uh, $40 at the door uh, it also comes with a complimentary buffet so really it's $30 unlimited tastings unlimited food and a heck of a nice way to spend a Saturday, if you yeah. ask me, looking at the ocean in our beautiful Ocean Bar location. Yeah, that's you amazing. Know, yeah, there's a lot of worse ways you can spend a Saturday, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, this is a somewhat recurring event. Like, you guys have had this in the past. We have had it in the past, yeah. and we're trying to revamp it now. Uh, we're trying to really get the capture that beer festival vibe on a smaller scale. Yeah. Um, so we really want to craft a... Craft? No pun intended. <laughs> no, we really want to create a really nice experience for our uh you know for the attendees and it's something again i want it to be something they can remember yeah you know and, and uh since it's a little bit smaller i had talked about the you know uh where am i going with this sorry um i want this to be a <laughs> no i since it is smaller it could be a little bit more of an individualized experience yeah. especially with the food and the beer and it's cool too because you can actually you can you can sample the food and the food is going to be a globally inspired buffet it's going to be very typical of what we would serve here at abigail on a on a you know normal night per se um but you know you can you can actually try your own pairings you know what do you get you know this this particular brewery is serving this beer what do i taste when i'm tasting it with, with this food and stuff so you can actually do your own kind of uh you know miniature beer dinner if you want to so that's cool you know it's a good place it's just a good opportunity to have a fun couple of hours at the beach yeah you know oh, it's amazing you go to the beach afterwards <laughs> if, if, if and if you haven't been here the space is really really big but it's stacked like we're we're multi-levels yep. here so like 
Um, where does the event actually take place? Is it in the whole venue or is it right up So here the or? brewery is going to, or I'm sorry, the event, Brewtopia is going to take place in our Ocean Bar location upstairs. Okay. Yeah, so, where, so the, where we're at right where now? Where we're at right now, yep. Okay. It's going to be the entire bar area and upstairs. down there too? And then down there in the, yeah, out in the patio and then the sun deck where we're sitting right now. Uh, okay. Yeah, so it's going to be this entire top floor. Okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah, sounds like a pretty unique and nice event. I, mean, I think it's going to be a really fun event. Yeah. You know, it's a good sandwich in between all the other larger beer festivals. It's a good... Yeah, really, we're almost hitting little, festival season. Oh, boy. Yeah, are we ever? Right. <laughs> I got a lot of stuff on the books. So yeah. It's going to keep us very busy, very busy this entire summer. That's cool. Yeah. So, uh, so I guess heading into summer, um, for me, my tastes change with seasonality. For sure. Yeah, right? Absolutely. So, And I think most, most breweries kind of cater to, you know, the heavier, darker beers, higher ABV beers during those winter months mm-hmm. when we need a little bit more to keep us warm. And then as we're heading into these LA summers, things get hot. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> uh, and, you, and you want to be drinking something a little bit lighter. Um, I'd like to hear a little bit about you. If you like dissect your year at a, at a glance. For sure. What types of beers do you like to drink throughout the course of the seasons? Let's see. So being from the East Coast, we definitely experience true seasons. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> um, um, you know, not not whatever this is. This no, is I'm, all I'm, I know. I'm joking. I'm it was joking, cold three weeks ago. Hey, man, it's cold and it's been <laughs> raining. It is not supposed to rain here. And I, I got wet. Yeah. I actually got wet here. No, I no, bundled no, just, up a few weeks no, ago. No, no, seriously, no. I, I'm joking, no. There LA, was snow, wasn't there, LA, somewhere? It was, it was literally snowing downtown. Yeah, no, L.A. does experience seasons. I'm just messing around. But, um, you know, and one of the reasons I moved here is because it's a little milder. It's nice. Yeah. Take it. Take that as a compliment, please. Right. Um, no, no, no. So, you know, um, definitely on the East Coast, it's exactly what you said, you know, uh, very typical. You know, you're doing your barley wines, your winter warmers and stuff like that in the in the winter months. You know, your celebration, you know, your... Um, actually, Sierra Nevada celebration. Yeah, celebration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I crave keep it hoppy, that... Keep it AB, oh high ABV. Yeah. I crave that beer when it comes out in, are, in the winter really, months. Yeah. Oh, my, my wife, that's like one of her favorite beers of all time. Yeah. Yeah, we'll still drink it here, too. You know, yeah. That's fine. But, but anyway, yeah, I mean, and, you know, as spring approaches, I'm a huge sour beer fan. Uh, we don't necessarily have the room or the capacity to do that at this point, but that's something I'm definitely interested in. I think, um, you know, these kettle sour beers, that is definitely something we can do and we yeah. will do. I think kettle sour beers are really nice for the summer and into the spring months. You know, some like nice lagers. Obviously, I kind of like to look at historic traditions of brewing. I look to the Germans. I'm a little biased with that because of my education. Yeah. You know, you get your Maibox, and uh, I think that's a great style to experience kind of in the spring months. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, your Kolsch's are really nice at that point. Um, uh, I like that. But it, it's exactly what you said. You know, you don't want to start drinking a barley wine in the middle of July. It's like right. drinking blood. You know yeah. what I mean? You don't want to. It's just not something that's conducive <laughs> to like beach weather, beach life. You know what yeah. I mean? Frankly, you know, that's what I always think. No, of. But, and, I, and I also yeah. feel like even like on the opposite side of the coin, like mm-hmm. you're sitting there at July mm-hmm. and the hottest IPA trend right now is like these milkshake IPAs. Yeah. Uh, where you're sitting on a lot of lactose, a lot oh, of fruit, yeah, um, maybe some more sweetness-inducing yeah. ingredients, and that isn't really conducive to a no. hot summer day. It's at a least, gut bomb. at least in, no, it, in my yeah. in, on my palate, like mm-hmm. it's just a little bit too much. Um, where those, you know, where you would traditionally think like, oh, it's an IPA with lime in it, like oh, I'm down. Yeah. Oh, but it has lactose and it has salt and <laughs> yeah. it's got some crazy stuff in it and. You're yeah. drinking like a frothy margarita IPA, yeah, which is almost not what you want no, at that point in time. No. 
I think I agree. I think I think you definitely want more of a. You, you definitely want to do the sessionable beers in the warmer weather for sure. And right. That's, you know, we're gonna start here at Abigail. We're gonna start coming out with some lagers for sure, and uh, maybe some fruited lagers, but not. You know, we're gonna kind of steer clear of the lactose probably for now. Yeah. Maybe focus <laughs> on that. Uh, you know, around the holidays. Some season. people are super big on the lactose. Hey man, stuff. it's cool. It's a style. Yeah. I mean, who am I to say what people should or shouldn't drink? I think you know? done in like a, a little bit of moderation. Like yeah. it can add a little bit. Um, it can complement your beer really well, but I think some of these heavy lactose beers, it's just, I mean, it's a one and done for me. Yeah, it's, like, too, it's too much of a good thing, I yeah, guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, especially if you're buying a four-pack, it's like, oh, man. Like, I'll, maybe I'll take half a can. Yeah, exactly. Know, and like, yeah. okay, that was, that was a good experience, and mm-hmm. on to the next. But uh, I think it yeah. speaks to the creativity of the craft beer world, though. It is creative. I mean, if this yeah. world, if craft beer didn't take off like it like it did, you would never even you wouldn't even know what a milkshake IPA was. I don't you know like what the I mean? name though. The, I, the name throws me yeah. off. If like if I was coming into it like not really knowing what's kind of gross. That, yeah, the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah like if you think about it, yeah. Beer. Uh, <laughs> maybe like you know like when they were doing, or I guess people still do like ice cream stout. Beers. Yeah, like stout floats. Like, yeah. I like that. That sounds yeah. good. But like milkshake IPA, I'm kind of like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've had some that are decent, and I've had some that I never want to drink again. So. I think there's a challenge in brewing anything from a delicate lager where all your flaws are going to come screaming through to being able to understand uh, and use a restrained hand on what you're saying. You know, not overdo it. Understand that too much of a good thing is not a good thing. Yeah. And yeah. I, I mean, I guess it, when it comes down to it, like um, a lot of these beers that are coming out, are beers that um <laughs> how do i put this right <laughs> that you can hide behind yeah no <laughs> right absolutely. like that there's enough ingredients there that you can like hide behind certain things yes um whereas when you talk about some of the more traditional loggers mm-hmm. uh there's not as much to hide behind there absolutely yeah and, you know that's the challenge you know when i go to a new brewery that i haven't been at before the first thing i'm going to order is i look for the lightest thing they have because yeah. i want to see I want to see the skill of that brewery. You know, what, like, are there any flaws that are coming through exactly what you said? You know, there are some very forgiving styles out there. You know, I think IPAs are very forgiving. They you know what be, I mean? They yeah. hide a lot of stuff. And, yeah. you know, and and uh, not that I'm saying that people who, you know, focus solely on IPAs are trying to hide stuff. They're fantastic. Oh, no, yeah. But, but yeah, no, but a light, uh, I think lighter styles, lagers, you know, your, even your simple blonde ales, yeah, they're simple. They're not sexy. They're not maybe necessarily as uh, exciting, but they really showcase the skill of that brewery yeah yeah and the people yeah. making it the dedication frankly that it takes to make something like that especially a lager yeah you know the time that you're going to put into something like that <laughs> absolutely yeah um okay so abigail mm-hmm. you're a few months in yes let's look towards 2020 okay 2020 uh, yeah, like yes. i mean are you a forward you know are you thinking that far ahead are you, you the type to. of guy that plans like that you have to i mean if you're not where do you want to take things here I mean, I just want to expand. I want to expand my beer to, um, you know, Abigail is owned by a restaurant group. So I want to, in the short term, expand my beers to the restaurant group. Get the get the brewery at Abigail's beers out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we want to work on, they, they've uh, loosened, we have a brew pub license. Uh, not to get into the technical aspect of what that means, they've loosened some restrictions on us. So now we can actually sell packaged beer 
um, at the at the restaurant, which is great. So you know we're looking into uh, you know possible cannings later, maybe some uh, short-term brewery releases. You know where you can only get the cans here, um, and then you know work on keg distribution throughout our restaurant our restaurant chain as mm-hmm. it is. Um, but I really want to get my beer out there. You know, a, a lot of t- I'm I'm just really kind of hammering out what our styles are going to be. What is Abigail going to be? What do we want this to be going forward? Yeah, and uh, you know that's a challenge is to try to nail that. Um, so. You know, this is kind of an R&D period for me, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I just want to expand our footprint. Yeah, that's really what it comes down to. Well, I think that's what I appreciate about you is that we're a few months into your tenure here. Mm-hmm. And you're not saying, you know, we're by the beach. And I think it ne- we need to have this logger program because you have a background there. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be this and this. And that's where, you know, what's been missing in this place. Like, you're taking this step back and, like, I'm going to learn the system. I'm going to put mm-hmm. out beers. I'm going to see how people react to them. I'm going to talk to people, yeah. get some feedback, and I'm going to figure out what it means for this restaurant, for Abigail, for this location, and for the restaurant group yeah, as a whole. Absolutely. And I, I, I appreciate that perspective mm-hmm. coming into a, a new gig like this. I think the cool thing about craft beer is, um, you know, it's approachable. You know, it is it is a beverage of the people. I think it's historically been that way, and I want to continue that trend, you know. And I want to know what people like. What pe- what 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 does this culture and that's kind of the challenge is like figuring out these little these little niche markets and stuff and i think that's fun to do that too and it allows me as a brewer not to stick to one one particular style like we're known for this and that's a completely legitimate business uh model for sure but i want to i want to i don't know i want it to be more dynamic than that Mm -hmm. if i had my you know if i had my druthers i guess you could say yeah no i I love that um so as we wrap things up we want to give one last shout out to Brutopia. Yes, yes. Right? Brutopia, April 27th from 12 to 4. It's a Saturday, the end of this month, obviously in April. Uh, <laughs> it's $30 in advance, $40 at the door, uh, 10 to 12 breweries, uh, unlimited uh, tastings, uh, complimentary food buffet. It's a great way to spend a Saturday at the beach. Awesome. Love it so much. Thank you so much for sitting down, talking with us, joining us, sharing some beer. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, it's been yeah. great. I'm going to go against my better judgment of cheersing in an empty glass. I know, anyways. I know. <laughs> Bad luck to me. We'll for take care years. of that. We'll take care of that. Thanks so much, yeah. my friend. Yes. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Cheers.